Hey, After Buzzers, before we move on to your next topic, we just want to say thanks to our sponsor, Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. Plus, there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Also, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Plus, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. The Jericho Network on Westwood One. couple guys in the whole world that make me love pro wrestling and you're one of them you know all the bad shit you've heard about us it's all true but another thing that's true is we love professional wrestling and that's why we're here i'm not sports entertainment anymore talk to him kid this is a new beginning and it starts tonight a new day is dawning for dx so who you're talking to Hey there, Xbox 12360 fans. We're coming back at you with a brand new episode, and it's going to be a big one. Jesse Ventura will be joining us later for an interview. We already have Joey Styles on the line waiting to talk to us. Jimbo's on the booth. Hello, y'all. Mark is in the booth. Jimbo's actually on the couch. I am in the booth, and he's on the couch. Hey, Mark. And now, the one and only, the man you've all tuned in for, Mr. Sean Xbox Waltman. Hello. How you doing, Christy? Hey, well, I'm good, because we're, like, rolling right into it today. We have the other one and only, Joey Styles on the line. What's up, Joey? Hey, Joey. Hey, what's going on? Uh, first and foremost, I want fans to know that uh, Christy doesn't always look that perfect, because <laughs> I got to see you guys prepping before the show, and Christy was fixing her hair, so I don't want, I mean, yes... I don't want fans just thinking that, that Christy looks that perfect while wearing a headset. She was fixing her hair, so it was yeah. perfect under the headset, so it cascaded over the shoulders. That's how we're going to start this off? You're calling yeah, me out, Joey? Phenomenal. I, on the all other right. hand, I'll I, take it. I, on the other <laughs> hand, I look this great all the time. That is true. Yeah, I get up out of bed looking like this. <laughs> so, Sean, do you remember the first time we met? I do. Mount Vernon, New York. Mount Vernon, New York. Uh, I was still in college. It was summer of 1992. You were still the lightning kid. I had watched you on ESPN. I believe our birthdays are only two days apart. I think you're the 12th and I'm the 14th of July. Oh, wow. You're, and- our, our guest coming up, uh, the governor, Jesse Ventura, is at the same birthday as Joey Styles. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, I've interviewed Jesse Ventura, and it is, it is fascinating. I mean, I was in the room with him for so long that Vince just left me behind. Uh. It was for WWE. <laughs> and he's like, we're leaving. I'm like, I don't care. This is too interesting. I'm just going to keep wow. interviewing him. I'll see you in the next town. So you weren't, you weren't in the wrestling industry at the time when I met you, though? That was my first night. Oh, wow. wow that was that was... Cool. By the way, congratulations on the new show on AfterBuzz TV. Um, I don't know how you pulled this off. If you have pictures of Maria and her husband, but this is just fantastic uh, for you. Why? Thank you, Janky Joey. Thank you. I'm not going to tell you on air how I pulled this <laughs> off, but it was quite the coup. Yeah. So, J- Joey, tell us about uh, about the Flow Wrestling uh, yeah, streaming you service. A, you got a big new venture going on too. Yeah, it, it's not so much me, but um, this company. Uh, flowsports.tv 
which started with a couple of guys traveling out of a sleeper van. One of them was in amateur wrestling in college. The other one did track and field. And they realized that these sports didn't get a lot of coverage, except for the Olympics, for the most part. So, uh, you know, they, they bought a sleeper van in, uh, in Dallas, and then it broke down on the way back to Austin, and they got it fixed. And they traveled the country uh, doing live streaming of track and field and wrestling. So now they have flowwrestling.tv, flowtrack.tv, flowcheer.tv, flowrodeo.tv, and they want to add a vertical uh, pro wrestling channel. They're calling it proslam.tv, and they signed a deal with WWN Live, which is the parent company of Evolve, who I do some work for. So I'm now involved um, as a color commentator, and I'm also the authority figure for Evolve on camera. So I'm involved in this phenomenal new venture in that, you know, uh, flowsports.tv is looking to create an indie channel that pretty much uh, operates just like WWE Network. It's a streaming channel. And uh, Joey, so far, uh, what what are the promotions that uh, that you can tell us are... uh are on board the only one they've announced is a five-year licensing deal with wwn which is the parent company of evolve they also have florida impact pro and they have uh you know a women's uh wrestling promotion as well um i've read reports online that that i don't want to um repeat because i don't want to be an unreliable source but if i'm looking out there at the indie scene i'm looking at anybody who runs monthly shows and draws fans and even if they don't do live, because primarily what uh, Flow Sports wants is live broadcasting. So if you okay. are, are live streaming your events, um, you're going to have a leg up if you talk to Flow Sports. But even the video on demand and the DVD sales, I mean, I'm thinking about Tommy Dreamer's House of Hardcore. I'm thinking of Chikara, which, you know, you and I work together for yeah. Philadelphia. There's Beyond Wrestling out of New England. Uh, PWG would be a great choice. There's uh, AAW out of Chicago. There's AIW out of Cleveland. There's Slam Smash Wrestling out of Toronto. There's Border City Wrestling out of Windsor. I mean, I can go on and on. Well, how about wow. how about the uh, the UK promotions and uh, possibly any of the Japanese promotions, Joey? Uh, I, I've heard they do want to go after Japanese promotions. I know that the big one is. New Japan, and they have their own New Japan World. Right. Um, you know, the problem with New Japan World is... Have you ever tried to navigate that announced- thing? What's that? Have you ever tried to navigate that site? Well, it's oh, it's no- so there's hard. nothing in English, really. Right. So even if you can get past watching the matches with only Japanese announcing, which kind of grates on me after a while, um, at least if there were subtitles, that'd be fine. Right. But you can't navigate it because I, I am stunned by the fact that they have thousands of yeah, me subscribers too. <laughs> in English language companies, and they didn't even care enough to translate this. You can hire a company to go ahead and translate your site into English. I mean, yeah. it's one of the things that, it, that I was involved in when I worked at WWE. There is a Spanish site. There's a German site. You know, uh, there is a Japanese site, so, um, so Seem- maybe Flow uh, Sports can help them with that. Maybe. It seems like they're leaving a lot of money on the table. Uh, quite a bit of American money yeah. and Canadian money and, uh, and, and English pounds, I would think, yes. Yeah. Well, you mentioned WWE there, Joey, and WWE, I know, was part of a group of investors, actually, that invested in Flow Sports initially. Do they have any involvement in this current deal? Uh, I don't know because I don't directly work for Flow Sports, but if you look up the Wall Street Journal, uh, Flow Sports 
raised about $21.2 million in a round of funding earlier this year. Uh, I think it was 10 investors. One of them was WWE. One of them was Discovery Communications. So pretty heavy hitters. Um, I have no idea what the conversations are between WWE and Flow Sports. I, I mean, I did speak with the, the big muckety mucks at Flow Sports before doing these interviews just to get some talking points, but I wasn't going to ask them about the relationship with WWE because, frankly, it's none of my business. And then when stuff leaks, you know how it is, Sean. Sure. When stuff leaks out, you don't want to be accused of being the person who leaked it. So the less I know, the better. <laughs> right. Plausible deniability. Yes, exactly. Um, now, um, go ahead, Jimbo. I was going to say, are, what kind of content are they looking for? Are they looking just for wrestling matches? Or like someone like me who makes wrestling documentaries, would they be interested in like putting our documentaries and maybe some behind-the-scenes stuff that we shot on this channel uh, as well? Or is it I, solely I, I wrestling shows? I think you're like shows? a lawyer and you're asking questions you already know the answer to. <laughs> because uh, they questions. are very public over the fact that they, um, that they want to go ahead and uh, have – documentaries as well as interviews uh as i i think free content and then they want to go ahead and have um the wrestling matches and live broadcasts as the premium content huh i see so joey hey um a lot of people when when headlines first came out about this uh something that a lot of people um brought up was the 20 dollars price point now, I don't think that, you know, compared to the, the WWE Network's 10, but the, the deal is, is this is niche programming. This is, this is the type of programming I think people will pay a premium price for. Well, you know, I, I think, yeah, $20, obviously, it's double the $10 price of WWE Network. You can also pay $150 up front for the year, which comes out to $12.50 a month. And then not only does that give you all of the programming, uh, the pro wrestling programming on flowslam.tv, but you get all the programming across other channels. So they have flowcombat.tv, which is MMA. They have uh, flowgrappling.tv, which is Brazilian jiu-jitsu. They have boxing. They have rodeo, if you're into that. They have cheerleading. Um, you know, and the other point, as a pure wrestling fan, um, you know, the real hardcore wrestling fans, it, it's not out of the realm of possibility that you could be paying $10 a month to watch Beyond Wrestling's subscription service and then paying $8 a month for Chikaratopia.com and then paying $20 a month for a PWG DVD. It can get expensive really quick. That's true. Whereas if all these companies see the future and see the vision of pro sports, they can go ahead and license their footage and there'll be a much bigger audience spending, you know, $20 a month to see every major indie wrestling promotion. That's cool. Well, we've loved hearing about it, but we also want to ask you what you've been up to lately. It sounds like you're a pretty busy guy. Well, this is just what I do on weekends is <laughs> announce wrestling matches for fun. Um, I'm uh, back to selling digital advertising. I, I won't mention the, the site because it's not wrestling related, so your fans will find it boring. <laughs> but no, I spend my, my weekdays uh, commuting down from the woods of Connecticut into uh, Manhattan, New York. And then on weekends, you know, as long as I don't have to get on a plane, Sean knows how much right. I hate flying. So I can drive three hours both. south to Philadelphia, three hours north to Providence, and I can still call wrestling matches on the weekend for passion uh, more than a paycheck. But I'm just really having fun. Well, so Joey Styles has a shoot job, just like the rest of the poor indie wrestler guys that are out there sloughing it trying to make it? <laughs> well, you know, I always did. All of those years I was with ECW, I actually sold print advertising. Remember print? 
print advertising. Yeah, yeah I, I sold print advertising for News Corp all of those years. Uh, then when ECW folded, I went back to work for different advertising agencies. And then uh, I was with WWE for 10 years, but I only spent two and a half announcing. The rest was spent in digital media content and digital media sales. So I've only spent two and a half years of my whole life as only a wrestling announcer. Just most people don't know that. Hey, Joey, I, um, I, 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 some people, I, I'm not familiar with uh, circumstances for your departure from uh, WWE, but a few people have told me they thought that you tried to get fired. Is that true or false? Um, no, I was not. I was not trying to get. There. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, no well, beating well, around the well, bush well, on that question. Just no, no, I, I no. I mean, that, that's the answer. I just told you that, that that's not the case. But you know what? I had ten years there. I made great friends. I made great money. I have no grudge whatsoever. I have lots of friends who still work in the office. I'm friends with a lot of the talent, and I couldn't be happier for all their success. It, you know what? Ten years is a long, long run in WWE for anyone. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, it was really because I was more than just an announcer. You know, uh, I, I think that I was lucky enough that they saw value in me and my business background. And, of course, moving into digital media uh, just came out to be very fortuitous because right. now I'm, I've gone ahead and I'm, and I'm making a full-time living selling digital media again. Nice. Cool. And, and your work with Evolve, I know everybody just loves Evolve. What do you think about what's going on there? They are they are always thriving. Well, if you look at Evolve, I mean, basically, they got a lot of exposure and their parent company, WWN Live, uh, because of the Cruiserweight Classic. And a lot yeah. of the Evolve roster was in the Cruiserweight Classic. In fact, um, Cedric Alexander was signed. TJ Perkins was signed and became the Cruiserweight Champion. Um, Tony Nese and Drew Gulak are constantly um, on, on Raw now, and I believe it was just announced today they're going to be the kickoff match for uh, yes. Hell in a Cell this Sunday. So oh, nice. Evolve has really become the stepping stone to uh, WWE, which is great, and I get to call really athletic matches, and I get to be the color commentator, which people don't realize is no work. You're play usually play announcers you're usually the, all the work. You're usually the color and the, and the straight guy all in one. Yeah, and, and, uh, for ECW. But when you're the play-by-play guy, you have to do all the prep, have all the notes, know all the history. Right. As the color guy, as long as you can analyze basic holds, and you really should at this day and age know that an arm bar is hyperextending the elbow. I mean, if you've taken anatomy in, in high school, you should be able to break down holds or if you've watched some MMA. But then I also get to be funny, which yeah. is awesome. I don't have to be the serious guy anymore. So I'm having a blast doing color commentary for Lenny Leonard who's the play-by-play guy for uh, WWN. He's awesome. He is he's a very good. major yeah. league talent. Yeah, he's, he's really excellent. good. I've, uh, I've, I've done color commentary on, uh, with him before, I think, for Chikara. C- CZW? Or? No, it was in Chikara okay. or no? I've heard you did Chikara, and because they have a no uh, potty mouth policy, like you can't even say the words hell or damn, so I got reprimanded. Oh, yeah. I heard they had to heavily go back and edit your commentary. Wow. No wonder they Imagine didn't have that. me on again. I thought I did a good job, Joey. Damn no, it. you did do a good job, but I got <laughs> reprimanded. Like, you know, I, I said he's doing a hell of a job, you know, trying to get this win, and I, I you can't say hell. You can't say damn. Right. Billy Gunn said suck it. I was King just going to say. And, and, and he thought he was being funny, and he, he yeah. was shocked to see that he was met with dead silence and a huge. <gasps> well, did like you see the I, look on my face? 
You warned him. Yes. You told him, don't do it. This is the only place in the world they don't want to hear it. I guess he thought you were kidding. He doubled and down. And he was met with stunned silence. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. But, you know, actually, I thought we recovered well from that. <laughs> Believe it or not. <laughs> anyway. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, ab- absolutely. Um, but it's funny because Evolve is so family friendly. And I, and I really, you know, I mean, when I was... 25 calling ECW blood and guts and women flashing and foul sure. language was cool. Now that I'm 45 and I have a 13 year old and I've been married almost 20 years and I volunteer with the Knights of Columbus, I look back at that and I'm like, well, that's horrible. Yeah, so, I, I, you know, a company like Chikara, where the fans actually chant holy poop instead yeah. of holy S, I think it's great. And I, but I do think it's kind of funny that they're that they're uh, completely family friendly uh, to the extreme on that when it comes to that. Yet they're not afraid to have a, a girl and a guy in there going at it. Man yeah, on one um, and violence. you know, and, and, it, and it's really, it, it's really di- what I've learned is because I'm not a huge fan of intergender wrestling. Me neither. Um, because if it's done badly, it exposes the business. Um, if it's done well, where where the the the, uh, the woman, unless she's huge, you know, like is clearly the underdog, sure, and and not so much striking, but going for submissions and trying to win with a quick one and everything else, it comes off really well. But I've seen some matches where uh, they're put together so so the the woman is striking as much as the man, and yeah. I think it just comes. I mean, look, unless you're Ronda Rousey. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying that women can't beat up men. I've met quite a few women who can stretch me. You know, Eve Torres, I think, has her black belt now in Gracie Jiu-Jitsu. But for the most part, to see a a five-foot-tall woman trading punches with a six-foot-tall man, I'm sitting there watching and thinking, who allowed this? And and why didn't the two wrestlers putting together the match not know that this was going to look awful? But when it's done right, it's really good. Yeah, it is. Joey, one last thing. Uh, when is the when is this uh, when is this platform uh, looking to be up and running as far as the the flow wrestling? Oh, this month I believe the first uh, event is November fifth. I believe it's a women's match, and I know that the uh, the Saturday November twelfth show that's Evolve in New York City that I'm going to be on will be on FlowSlam.tv. The uh, Sunday November thirteenth show which is in Joppa, Maryland, will also be streaming on flowslam.tv. So this starts um, November, which is next week. Oh, very cool. Very cool. Well, go ahead, Christy. Sorry. No, I was going to say, that's awesome. I can't wait. I was going to say, now that you're working with Evolve, what was it like to be back with uh, Gabe Sapolsky, another former ECW uh, backstage person? Oh, it, it's, I mean, Gabe and I go back 20-something years, and it's great. And uh, I call him boss, and he hates it. Because, you know, I, and I was announcing and he started with the Sabu fan club and then selling programs and then just being Paul's assistant and, yeah. and learning everything from the ground up. So he told me he doesn't like when I call him boss. So I just do it to, to kind of get on his nerves now. I just think it's funny. Cool. OK, boss, whatever you want, boss. <laughs> he's like, would you please stop? He doesn't act like a, he's a good boss, but he doesn't act like a typical boss. No, very, not at all. You very think, cool. You know, I mean, it, in a lot of ways, it's like Paul Heyman. You you always feel like you're working with him, yep. not for him. Um, so yeah, I mean, pretty much all, all the uh, you know all the indie promoters for the most part are like that. Mike Quackenbush from Chikara, you know he's the boss. He is, he, man. He doesn't drop the hammer, but he is so organized about every detail. Um, I mean, it just the branding, the colors, the flow of the show, the timing. Don't go over your time on a Chikara show because yeah. you won't be back. <laughs> yeah, Mike Mike Quackenbush's vision is very clear 
on uh, and it's amazing. I, I mean, the guys. F- for, I mean, as far as I know, the guy is drug free and alcohol free. But Absolutely. you wouldn't know it with some of the <laughs> shit he comes up with, Joey. Yeah, <laughs> it's, um, it's like, some like good for, stuff. For example, I'm calling uh, on on Saturday, November fifth. I'm calling a match between Rock Lobster, which is a very good wrestler wearing a lobster outfit, <laughs> and the Hermit Crab, who is uh, he's basically uh, a, a tribute to Grand Naniwa, except he actually comes out with a foam Hermit Crab shell on his back yeah. and takes it off. So, mm. I mean, once the bell rings, it's a great wrestling match. But if I wasn't drug free, I would think I was tripping. Oh. Um, Especially when they go into the slow motion high spots. I I haven't seen that yet. Um, But, you know, what's great is that his company, and I didn't realize it until he explained it, especially this season because he he breaks down his his product into seasons. This season is a love letter to Marvel. In fact, I've even got um, Mike an interview. He's going to be talking to Marvel.com because the, the villains or the heels have all been hexed. So they're called the hexed men. And the nice. group of baby faces they're battling, I didn't realize it until I really looked at their outfits and what they're wearing. They're basically the Avengers. So I didn't get it until Mike pointed it out. So, um, you know, I think that's why it's so kid-friendly. He also gives free tickets to kids who are 12 and under. Like, if your parent buys a ticket and you're 12 or younger, you get a free seat. I mean, he is so into families because he's a dad himself, I yes. guess. Yeah. Very cool. Hey, Joey, I appreciate you um, taking the time to... Uh, Tell us about the flow wrestling and, and everything, dude. And it's always good to hear from you, man. It's good to, t- good to see you, too. It was great seeing you. I am just Philly. so happy for you. I am. When you told me um, that, that you had, because when I asked you if you were still living in Philly, you're yeah. like, no, I'm in L.A. And you told me about the show, and I went and watched all the back episodes. Oh, wow, and really? You told me that you, yeah, this is cool. just, I mean, I, am, <laughs> I could not be happier for you. I mean, you have had your ups and downs. You are a hard worker. You have a great oh, mind man. for the business. You are extremely entertaining. You've always been magic on the mic, um, <laughs> especially when you were just uh, speaking from the heart. Oh. Um, and this is a, a great fit for you. Uh, Thanks, Maria man. and her husband made a great choice. They've got Christy there to kind of, you know, uh, offset you and the other two guys. You no, know, Christy, so- <laughs> hey, look, I'm, I'm – Look, my ego doesn't prevent me from saying that uh, I need these two. Well, I need everybody involved here because, I mean, no way I can do this by myself. I'm not one of those. I'm no Steve Austin. (laughs) And we are very happy to be here. But thank you so much, Joey, man. I hope to see you soon, man. I hope so, too. And and thank you all very much for having me on. Anytime you want me to talk about anything for guest cancels, just uh, hit me up. I might be doing it while walking down the streets of Manhattan. Very cool. But I think that would just be funnier. Agreed. I'm very grateful, Joey. Awesome. Well, then we will talk to you soon. And also, thank you for watching. Thank, uh, thank you very much, Christy. Thank you, uh, Sean. Thank you, guys. Uh, this has been a lot of fun. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Joey. Thank you, Joey. Bye bye. Bye bye. Oh, that was fun. He's so much fun. Yeah, I'm a big Joey Styles fan. Yeah. Well, it apparently goes both ways. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, he he takes the time to watch this show. There's a, you know what? There's a lot of shows out there. There's mm-hmm. a lot of shows to watch and listen to, and you know, not just Joey, but anyone that takes the time, you know, to watch or listen to ours. Very grateful. 
Yes, we appreciate that very much. And if you are listening to our podcast, do not forget on iTunes to rate, comment, and subscribe. Please give us five stars because we love you. Let us know what you think about the show. And if you use a podcast app that we aren't available on, you can help us submit to that app. Just copy our RSS feed. It's right there in the description box and contact the app support email. It's easy to find. Thank you in advance. And on that note, I think we're going to move on to the X-Pac 12360 News of the Week. Break it down! X-Pac 12360 Wrestling News. Yes, I am so excited about this first story. And actually, this one has set the internet ablaze. Diamond Dallas Page's daughter announced that she and a ton of other famous female offspring are starting their own wrestling league. TMZ Sports actually caught up with her in an airport, and she gave a little interview. She explained the new venture to TMZ. She said, basically, we're starting a women's league. It's going to go up against TNA. So they're looking at TNA as their competition. She says they're very excited about it. Brooke Hogan, Lacey Von Eric, Roddy Roddy Piper's daughter, Ariel Toombs, and JCVD's daughter, Bianca Van Dam, are also involved. Former TNA creative team member Christy Hemi is apparently involved as well. And Brittany Page said, she kind of sort of said that Dallas will probably show up at some point in time. But Christy Hemi has been teasing a big announcement for quite a while. And now I know that she is um, starting to talk about this promotion just yesterday. Meanwhile, Brittany, they kind of got Brittany at the airport yeah. and she spilled the beans. So either way, this is fantastic news. Uh, I, I did catch this story last night. I think, mm-hmm. did it break last night? Yes. Okay. And uh, it sounds like fun. Mm-hmm. I, um, and I hope, you know, hope something comes of it. I'm not sure what they mean by they're going to be competition for TNA, but I guess we'll find out, right? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Eh, the more wrestling, the better. What do, the you hell? Think, do you think this is something that has been like in the talks or in the works or when they saw like Glow's going to have a Netflix show, they were like, oh, pull the trigger. Like, we need to do this. Like, yeah, start doing it. Yeah, I'm sure that might have had something to do with it. I know Christy um, has been gone from TNA for several months now, and she's been talking about really doing something big like sure. this. And so I think it's been in the works for a while. And, and you know, with the whole, uh, the whole, uh, we call it the women's wrestling revolution. Yeah. I was going to say divas, but (laughs) no more divas. Anyways, uh, I, I think just with the emergence of, of the ladies as, as a real, uh, I mean, they're right up there with the guys as far as I'm concerned as, as I mean, neck and neck as far as, as far as what I like when I watch the show. So, um, you know, being that they're not just like a special attraction anymore, I think you know maybe other p- people are going, oh, women's wrestling is uh, is a viable thing. We can you know we can do something. I, you know I know there's shimmer. Mm-hmm. There's shimmer. There's uh, shine. Shine. There's glow. There's I mean there's a there's a ton of them, but um, so we'll see what happens. Can here. I just say I hope they name this something a little less feminine. <laughs> Just when we're saying shimmer, shine, glow, those are all fantastic names, but maybe let's go with something a little more hardcore. Anyways. Yeah. It's all speculation until we hear more. That is true. That is true. And another wrestler embarking on a new adventure. Dwayne The Rock Johnson is going back to his beginnings in pro wrestling for his latest project. Fox has nabbed a hot comedy pilot from him. Get this, and producer Will Ferrell, inspired by The Rock's real-life relationship with former WWE head writer Brian Gewertz. 
Variety has reported this, and it's going to be a behind-the-scenes look at a fictional professional wrestling outfit. Uh, relationship develops between a charismatic young character, I wonder who that's based on, and a painfully awkward comedy writer. And, you know, basically The Rock is saying the entertaining show that goes on in front of the crowd pales in comparison to the insanely entertaining show that goes on backstage. You can uh, attest to that. And Brian and himself cannot wait to tell their stories Brian said, you know, he came from the Hollywood industry into the wrestling industry, and he was kind of shell-shocked when he did so at the personalities. Oh, yeah. And so they're just looking forward to kind of telling these behind-the-scenes stories in this in this Fox TV show, sure. which is also produced by The Rock's company that does Ballers as well. So he's, sure. he's making all these things happen. He's starring in them, and this one sounds like it's going to be really fun. Well, Brian Gewertz is... Uh, some people know that he and I are, uh, we're not each other's favorite people. I mean, not, I'm not anymore so much, but at one time, not at all, at all. As a matter of fact, I organized wrestlers court, uh, and for Brian. Yeah. How did that go down? Oh, it didn't go down good for him. He did not take it well. And I was buried, uh, creatively probably from that day forward, actually. So, um, Anyways, well, yeah, as we anyways, were saying, it's just, it's just occurring to me that we didn't go over these beforehand like we no, usually we do. I think we're going to be okay on the rest, because now no. we're going to talk about Kevin Nash. All right. <laughs> Kevin Nash and TNA star Mike Bennett have been cast in a new horror film called Anders Manor. This is also going to be starring Christina Robinson from Dexter to play the lead. Godsmack frontman Sully Erna is also going to be in this one. And Kevin Nash will be doing something a little out of character. He will be playing a reverend, while uh, Bennett will be portraying a wild and unruly redneck. So the producers and the directors, basically, of this movie are huge fans of pro wrestling, and they just want to cast wrestlers in their movies and see them do something cool. So the uh, executive producer, David, said, we get to see Kevin Nash in a role that you would never expect. So fans can look forward to that. Meanwhile, Shawn Michaels has also been cast in a new film called Avengers of Justice Farce Wars. It's a spoof of Star Wars and Marvel superhero adventures. HBK will play a mentor to a character named Superbat, and Amy Smart and Simon Rex are also in that one. So these guys are making big waves in the film industry with some pretty okay. big co-stars. Yeah, I wasn't aware that Kev had a new... Uh... Actually, you know what? That's who it was that that came to meet us when... Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah, no. <laughs> tell I, tell I, us the story, Sean. No, I just... I, I, I'm pretty sure I met the director and... Uh, and some of the some of the people there. Okay. I just didn't know this was bluefish when you were doing. Yeah, that we were. Yeah, when we okay. were out there, when we were out there in Bridgeport, they came by. So, okay, yeah, I was aware. I just wasn't aware <laughs> of what the name of the project was. And Reverend Kev. Yeah, can you see him playing oh, yeah, a reverend? Of course, of course, I can totally see that. Can we all go to the premiere? I don't know. <laughs> I haven't been invited, so shit. All right, we'll keep you posted on that. Meanwhile, turning to a bit of sad news, a former WWE star, Frenchie Martin, yeah. has passed away. That's Jean Gagne, known to WWE fans as Frenchie Martin. He was the manager of the mighty Dino Bravo. People may remember that sign he used to hold that said, USA is not okay. Frenchie was 66 years old and had been battling cancer for quite some time. The Montreal Journal reported in early September that he'd been moved to hospice care, and he said at that time, I led an extraordinary life. I am proud to have succeeded 
needed in the world of wrestling. I am no more worthy than another, but I'm not afraid of death. I accept the results. Wow, very... Frenchie Martin was a really cool cat. Yeah. He was very cool. He used to come... He wasn't working there anymore by the time I got there, but he would still... When we were in Montreal or, you know, uh, cities like that, he would come visit. And mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I've always been the guy that, that really... Uh, Love the guys that came before me, you know, all the old timers, whatever you want to call them, veterans. Anyways, um, I have huge love for everybody. So he was an old school wrestler that then became yes. a manager because he wasn't yeah. wrestling anymore? That's right. Yeah. French Canadian from the, the Pat Patterson, Dino Bravo, all those guys up in that area. Wow. So. R.I.P. Frenchie, rest in peace. Yeah, yes, and WWE did offer their condolences to his friends and family. Moving on to a little TNA news. we got to keep you guys posted on all the craziness that's going on there. Now, brand new court documents um, in Billy Corgan's lawsuit against the company are revealing some major insight. Um, Billy Corgan says he wants full control over the company and claims that Dixie Carter lied to him about her sale discussions with WWE. These court documents also reveal that Billy financially bailed TNA out of shutting down multiple times. And the last time that he did that, he actually made some demands. And um, Dixie Carter told him at that time she pledged 100% of her equity interest in Impact Ventures to Billy Corgan for him bailing the company out. And um, he is upset about several things that went down, also including apparently Dixie denied that she had any discussions with WWE about selling the company, but she told the entire locker room during a meeting not too long ago a completely different story. And um, Billy also claims that she failed to keep him kind of in the know on what was going on with the company and ignored his authority and affected his ability to manage the affairs. He wants TNA to pay him compensatory damages for not keeping their end of the bargain. And that was they comp- should. compensatory. They should. And I, my, my personal dealings with Dixie Carter is that she has a habit of not telling the truth. Interesting. They're telling you one thing and meaning another. And that's not just coming from me. So, I mean, mm. hey, whatever. No. I wish Billy the best. I was concerned that something like this would happen. Because he's... Anyways. I don't want to get off on... I don't want to get up on my Negative. soapbox and get off on a rant here. Uh, all right, okay. all right. Let's kick How that soapbox that? away. Yeah. And I will tell you all that that was the Xbox 12360 News of the Week. I'm Christy Olson, your managing editor and chief correspondent of AfterBuzz TV's Pro Wrestling News Division. And we will be back with an interview with Jesse Ventura. Stay tuned. What's up, party people? Roxy Stryer here from The Tomorrow Show with Kevin Undergaro. We're your twice-weekly broadcast of One Man's Midlife Crisis and the mad millennials in Star Trek uniforms that follow him. And I'm one of those millennials, Lauren Legrasso here. We've had some amazing guests like Russell Simmons, Ileana Douglas, and Craig Gass. Coolio, right? Christian Blatt in the house to tell you to go to thetomorrowshow.com to check us out. We're live every Monday and Thursday from 10 to midnight Eastern. That's thetomorrowshow.com. Be there, be square, whatever that means.
Welcome back. Up next on X-Pac 12360, this guest has an incredibly unique resume, including Navy SEAL, activist, professional wrestler, and pioneer of celebrity politics. Please welcome former Minnesota governor and author of The Marijuana Manifesto, Jesse Ventura. Hey, Hi. Jesse. Uh, good, good afternoon. How you doing? Hey, Jesse. This is X-Pac. This is Sean. How are you? Hi, Sean. How are you doing? Been did a... you finally gain some weight? I did. <laughs> you, 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 I recall you as being the skinniest wrestler I ever saw. That's right. I was. I, I was for a long time, Jesse. But uh, I think uh, after after Vince uh, had a little success with, success with me, he um, he had a bit of faith in some other smaller guys. But yeah, well, that's good. But yeah, no, that's what I recollect the most. You were the you were the skinniest wrestler I ever saw. And you that's know, very good. Oh, I, I thank mean, you, Jesse. Your talent was exceptional. Well, you know, um, when I would go to the gym, Jesse, if I could get a workout and see, the thing is, is whenever I was there and you were there, I could never get a workout in because we would sit and talk forever <laughs> <laughs> at the gym and uh, the Plymouth gym. It's no longer around, huh, Jesse? No, it's still there. It's just uh, under new ownership the last time I heard. I, I mean, I don't live over there anymore. I live by White Bear Lake now. And I train in my house, so I don't go to gyms anymore. Wow! You... But uh, it's it's still there. It's just the original owner sold out, I think. Yeah, Jim Younger and, yeah. and Hawk and Animal and all the all the guys, all the legendary Minnesota guys the Minnesota train crew. there. Yeah, so of course I had to go there. <laughs> but Jesse, um, you know, you're you're familiar with the Monday Night Wars and and all that. I know you you'd been out of the uh, deal for a while before you came back, but um, I was wondering if you actually realized that the the big uh, explosion in, in wrestling in the late 90s was a direct result of, uh, of you having an agent in the, in, the, in the early 80s, Barry Bloom. Yeah, it, it might well be. You know, oh, I guarantee I was, it uh, When I got inducted into the Hall of Fame in 2004, and really I've had no contact much with wrestling all at all when I left it in early 1990s. Uh, but when I did go into the Hall of Fame, I remember it made Vince a little antsy out in the crowd when I stated that my, uh, my greatest accomplishment in the world of pro wrestling was I was the first wrestler who introduced an agent into Vince McMahon. Not even Hogan had done that. You know, right. Hogan had a Hollywood agent, but he didn't have any agent that dealt directly with Vince. And uh, I, I was the first one to do that. And that happened when I was doing Predator because I had to quit. You know, Vince yeah. wasn't going to let me do the film. And so I quit. And I went and did Predator. And while I was doing Predator, Arnold approached me about doing The Running Man that fall. So I waited until I had signed The Running Man. So I had that in my hip pocket when I came back to negotiate with Vince. So it put me in a great position of be able, being able to walk away. And you have to be in that position to negotiate. You have to be in a position where you're willing to walk. And it put me in the position to where I could walk away if I had to. And I told Vince point blank, I said, uh, at that time, I said, Barry Bloom is handling my entire career except you. And I said, Give me, you got two minutes to convince me why he shouldn't handle you, too. Well, what happened in a nutshell was when I negotiated back, then I had the running man in my back pocket, my next film. So... It put me in the position where I had the ace in the hole and I could walk. Yeah. And so I basically just told Vince, you either deal with Barry Bloom or I don't come back. And at that time, 
Uh, he was going into another season of NBC's Saturday Night Main Event, and apparently NBC was quite angry over the fact that they bought the program with me involved in it, and all of a sudden I wasn't. And so Vince basically had to bend over to my wishes, and probably the greatest compliment I was ever paid, an offhanded compliment, was old Freddie Blassie. Classy, classy Freddie Blassie, I heard one day in the dressing room, said, there's only one guy who calls his shots completely with Vince. He goes, that's Jesse Ventura. And that, that, that's probably the proudest thing I've ever had said about me in wrestling. Very cool. Coming from <laughs> coming from Freddie Blassie, that's uh, that's saying a lot. Jesse, well, you know, Freddie had seen it all. <laughs> oh yeah. The thing is, Jesse. Um, a few years later, I was in L.A. recuperating from injury. Anyways, just to make a long story short, uh, Rich Menzer, who was running Gold's Gym Enterprise at the time, he connected me with Barry Bloom. I went and had a meeting with Barry strictly to talk about doing movies. And he told me, he goes, hey, I just want to let you know that Eric Bischoff's in charge of WCW, and he's throwing a lot of money around right now. So I got on the phone with Scott Hall right there in his office, and uh, Barry talked to Scott, and that set the whole ball rolling for us leaving and going to WCW. WCW, with the NWO, ended up kicking the shit out of WWF for a couple, almost a couple of years straight. Uh, then... Barry became all of our agents, including Triple H's, including Barry Bloom's, and uh, the business made more money than it had ever made in the history of the industry because of yep. an agent. Yeah, well, <laughs> thank you, you very know, much, I, Jesse. I could never understand too another, but I now understand why too. Another thing I could never understand was why the after union didn't require wrestlers to join. Thank you. And another you know, thing, yes. But I, I know now why. They didn't want to touch wrestling because they didn't want their health insurance to go to us. Wow. That, uh, that, that makes had to a lot be of the sense. reason. You've got to look at money because why wouldn't they have stepped in and said these are television performers and they're required to join the union the same as any other television performer is? But I think they stayed away from us. I don't know completely honestly but I've got to believe they didn't want to take on wrestlers and all the, and then allow wrestlers into their health care system. Well, that makes sense. Makes sense to you me. You know, because, you know, wrestlers are naturally going to be beat up and broken down by the time they're done with 20 years in that yeah. business. And, you know, they're going to add to the health care a great deal. And that's why I think the union stayed away from ever forcing wrestling to right. unionize because it's sad that the business doesn't have a union. Yeah, it's, it, it is kind of sad. Uh, I don't know if it'll ever happen, Jesse. Do you think? No, I don't think so. Yeah, I don't. No, think I, I don't see it ever happening because it would require somebody to put their head underneath uh, the anvil. Sure. And I don't think no one has the courage to try to do that. Plus, it would require all the wrestlers to stick together. Yeah, and, and I don't. Th that'd be like herding cats. I don't think it can happen. That's I true. tried. I know you, you did, know, I Jesse. Had, I, you I got had a lot of heat for it, too. with Hogan because uh, right before WrestleMania two, I stood up in the dressing room and there were no agents there. And I said, look, guys, if we walk out now and say we're not going to perform in WrestleMania unless we're a federal union people are allowed to come in, I said, who do you think turns on the lights in these buildings? Who do you think runs them all? Unions. That's right. And I said, by federal law, they have to allow us to do this. I said, then we can get uh, the WCW guys. At the time, it was Charlotte. 
I said, if we get them to go along with it too, we can unionize all of wrestling. And I gave this huge speech. I got home the next day and my phone rang and Vince threatened to fire me, read me off, all this stuff. And I, I left that and went and did Predator. So I got, I became a member of the Screen Actors Guild and uh, I got my union. So when I came back to Vince, I told him, I said, you don't have to worry about me and union anymore. I have my union. I have my health benefits. I have my retirement. If these guys don't want to fight for anything, that's their problem. Sure. And then year, the reason I found out it was Hogan was years later, I went to court with Vince and, and under federal deposition, I told the story to my attorney. And uh, he, I said, find out who ratted me. Because I said there was no one in that dressing room with the office. It was all the wrestlers, all the boys. And so my attorney says, uh, gets Vince, and Vince is under sworn deposition. He said, Mr. McMahon, has there ever been a union in wrestling? And Vince goes, no. Has anyone ever tried to form one? And Vince thought a moment. He said, yeah, I think Jesse Ventura spouted his mouth off about it at one time. And my attorney said, well, did you hear him say it? And Vince said, no. My attorney said, well, how did you know he did that? And without any hesitation, Vince went, Hulk Hogan told me. (laughs) So right there, I mean, and in my day in the business, a little bit before you, the worst thing you could be called was an office stooge. Stooge. You know, that's, that's someone who pretends to be one of the boys and then is all the time relaying everything back to the office. And that's what Hogan turned out to be. And I found out why. Uh, in my court case, they brought up the numbers for WrestleMania three, the big one at the yeah. Silverdome. Yes. And Hogan got paid more money than all the rest of us combined. That doesn't surprise me, actually. No, well, that came out in my court case. He even got, and Andre was included with us. Wow. Wow. Andre the Giant and all of the rest of us combined did not make what Hogan made. So you can see why he didn't want any union. He didn't want any interference because he was, which is fine. You know, it's a dog-eat-dog world. He was being taken care of. But yet today he still denies doing that. And it's pretty laughable, really. You know what's funny, Jesse? You brought up your attorney, uh, David Olson. And uh, he was my attorney, too. Thank you very much again, Jesse. And uh, so when I when when I left WCW or when I was fired while I was out, I was out with a broken neck and I was uh, ten months or so into a broken neck. Anyways, uh, when I went back to WWF to uh, Vince, he wouldn't deal with Barry or David at all. Not until you really? became governor, Jesse. When you became governor, all of a sudden he went from not dealing with those guys at all to oh we're all best friends again. Who's kind of funny, I thought. Oh, yeah. Well, I still laugh today because when I became governor, of course, I give Vince credit. He he, he showed me a lot of respect where WCW made a, a joke out of it. So yeah. I, I thought, well, if I'm going to do something, it'll be with Vince. Sure. Because Vince treated my governorship honorably. WCW didn't. He did. And, uh, and at the time, and of course, I understand why Hogan was down there now. But uh, when Vince hired me to do that SummerSlam, it was actually kind of embarrassing, and here's why. Yeah, I was going to say, why, I got, Jesse? I got, I got the most money in my entire wrestling career for being a referee. <laughs> a referee. That's right. Wow. Yeah, you, you know, guys... and, and that kind of, in a way, I, I, I thought about it, and I thought, God, that's kind of disheartening, isn't it? <laughs> well, I, I don't All know. All the years I spent in the ring, and as hard as you work to be in the ring, 
and then you get your biggest payoff being a freaking ref. It's it just <laughs> seems like that's how wrestling works. Like you bust your ass all this time, and when you're like when you're in your uh, prime, that's not when you're making your most money. It seems like. Well, you, you know, it was funny when I used to work one on one with Vince doing the tapes and all that in uh-huh. Connecticut. I said to him one day, and this was right prior to doing Predator. I said, Vince, the key to this business is to go get famous at something else and then come back to it, isn't it? It is. And he looked over at me and smiled. It was just he and I. And he said, now you're learning. And I also found out out that the key to dealing with Vince is he has to know you don't fucking need him. Excuse my language. If he knows you don't need him. Well, that's not even the key for him. Everyone. That's That's a basic key in life. Yeah. Is that whenever you go in to negotiate something... You need to be in a position where you're comfortable with walking away. Yep. If you're not comfortable with walking away, you're never going to negotiate your best deal. Yep, that's right. It's that simple. And sometimes you can't walk away. So sometimes you get stuck with maybe not your best deal. And but uh, I've always found through my career that you're in the best bargaining position if you're willing to walk. Well, you certainly walked away from having a second term as Minnesota governor, and we kind of want to switch gears a little bit and talk about yep. that and talk about your book, your brand new book, The Marijuana Manifesto. But I got to yep. ask you, I, I grew up in Minnesota, and living there when you were the governor, I remember it was on TV every night. What is Jesse Ventura saying today? What does Governor Jesse have to say? And it's sort of um, indicative of what we have going on now with Donald Trump. What do you think yeah, about yes this presidential no. race? You know, uh, yes and no. Uh, the reason I didn't go for a second term is, number one, um, I'm a firm believer in term limits, and I believe that you should serve, and when you're done, you should go back to what you used to do. Amen. That's one of the major problems in our country today is we have career politicians like Hillary Clinton. And uh, uh, I also, there were other reasons that I didn't state publicly. Uh, my wife's health was a concern. She didn't want me to run again. And uh, so there's many reasons that I chose not to. And also the fact that my last year in office, uh, the Dems and Repubs teamed up against me. They overrode my budget. They passed their own budget. They overrode both my vetoes. And that was a reason, I, another reason I left office, because I would have had to work under their budget. Well, when I left, because of their budget politically, they ended up with a $5 billion deficit. Yeah, that's right. And because Jesse, their budget was not fiscally sound, and I would have been stuck with that budget because of their political decisions. See, people need to understand that Democrats and Republicans, they don't make decisions for the people. They make decisions for their own power structure. And they wanted me out of office, so they were willing to sacrifice the people of Minnesota and their livelihood in which to try to get me out of office, which they succeeded. I was going to say, they I did a pretty good job. I moved to Mexico then and have been living down there ever since. Mm. Wow. But, Jesse, when you when you became governor, you ran on, you were going to give uh, a huge uh, a huge refund in taxes. No, uh, all that was was they were overtaxing everyone. Right. That was one of the reasons I ran. They were running a budget surplus of billions of dollars, and right before I ran, they had it, and they spent it. And it was our money. Yeah, it was our money. I mean, they have a budget. Live within your budget. If because the economy is so strong and your taxing policies are so strong that you end up with more money than what you need, 
uh, my feelings were, you have no right to that money. That money should be given back. And I did that for three of the four years I was in office that people in Minnesota got a sales tax rebate where they got a check in the mail. And then here's the fun part. I had to fight the Republicans because the Republicans wanted it to be an income tax rebate. Uh, and yeah. I said, are you guys just stupid or what? I said, if you make it an income tax rebate, then everyone has to declare the money on their taxes, which means the federal government will take a third of our surplus. <laughs> I said, if you make it a sales tax rebate, you can't deduct sales tax. So therefore, the people will get the money. They won't even have to declare it. And what do you think they'll do with that money? They'll go out and spend it, which means that'll boost the economy. Because people fail to realize it's spending that keeps the economy running. You always hear this talk about, well, stop spending, stop the government from spending. Well, that's a shallow statement to make, because if people stop spending money, the economy grinds to a halt. Right. And just you have to spend. It's an old cliche that I learned from Vince. <laughs> One thing I did learn without any doubt from Vince McMahon was you got to spend money to make money. Exactly. And Vince does that. Vince not, isn't fearful of doing that, and he understands that. And the same thing holds true with the economy. You've got to have spending in which that's the gasoline that runs the economic engine. Yeah. Well, you definitely brought up some ways the government can bring some more income in in your book. This is a great yep. book, by the way, Jesse. I read... Uh, Christy and I both read it. I didn't. I can't. I can't say I read the whole thing because I didn't read uh, the recipes. But oh, I don't. That's fine. That's okay. That's just an additional part of it to show how versatile the plant is. But what a. Um, I, I mean, pretty much, it, it has a lot of old information and a ton of new information. Jesse, this is a great book, um, not just for people that are into marijuana, but I mean. And I, mind you, I'm sure, you know, that's mainly the people that are going to buy it. But, uh, I mean, it, I well, mean I, you talk about a lot it, of things in here, Jesse. Sean, I'm hoping that people that aren't into marijuana will buy it so Me that too. they can educate themselves. Because we've been lied to. Our history books have lied to us. Our country and our government has lied to us about this plant. This is a remarkable medical plant. And those that smoke it for the euphoric feeling are doing it for their mental health. Just like Tommy Chong said. A hit from a joint than be on Prozac. Yep. It's and, like, and the point, the thing is, if you, uh, the, the, the astounding thing to me was doing the history and the research. When I found out, and get this, if, if George Washington and Thomas Jefferson, our first and third presidents, were alive today, they'd be raided by the DEA, they'd be doing 10 to 12 years in the federal prison for being major drug dealers. Yep, for growing because that Indian hemp. raised acres of marijuana and sold it, and they knew the difference. Because in, in, in Washington's diary, he wrote how he allowed his plants to cross-pollinate, and he was angry over that. That he lost the two separate plants, the male and the female, one year. And the point is... Marijuana was the economic driver of our entire economy in this country for our first 160 years. And nobody taught me that when I went to school. That wasn't in any of our history books, that this plant drove our economy. You could actually pay in lieu of money. You could pay with marijuana back in the colonial days. Wow. It's amazing it to read amazing. about this. 
It is amazing. And then, of course, it got illegal because in the late 30s, William Randolph Hearst, the big paper guy, uh, he owned 26 newspapers and he owned thousands of acres of timberland. Well, here's a little fact. The Constitution, the Bill of Rights, and Betsy Ross's original flag are all made out of marijuana. That's right. Marijuana was what they used for paper, and it was cheaper and reusable. And, and what Hearst did, he paid the politicians off. He started a campaign with his newspapers calling it the devil's weed, and he used racism completely. That, this is what blacks and brown-skinned people smoke, and you should be terrified right. of them. Talk about, I mean, what he, what he did was criminal talk to about, race relations because of marijuana. Uh, Jesse, talk about Henry Anslinger for a minute. What a piece of garbage this guy was. And since well, you're talking he, about he the racism. The gun. Henry Anslinger was the guy that FBI, Hoover, and, and, the, uh, and, the, and, the, and the FBI and all them, that, that were, I don't know if Hoover was in charge then or not, but anyway, it goes way back in the 30s. He was their hired gun that went out and did all the big drug busts. It was him and, him and uh, Hearst that created that film Reefer Madness, Reefer Madness. in the 30s. And they got all the white power structure terrified of this plant so that he could sell his lumber for paper. And then he, they outlawed it throughout the whole country, and we've been fighting it ever since. Yeah, I, I don't know. If, uh, see, most people, don't, they don't have a clue who Henry Anslinger was, let alone some of the quotes, some of the racist quotes having to do with oh, marijuana. They're horrible. Ugh. If people... If pe- I, I, People should read this book just to see how they've been lied to. And then, of course, I love my, my forward by Steve Cubby, because when you read that, you truly understand that the government doesn't give a damn about you. Steve Cubby was a guy dying of a non-operable adrenal cancer. They gave him a five-year death sentence. The doctors could do nothing for him. He was going to die within five years. That's 35 years ago. Wow. And marijuana cured his cancer. And, and that's one of the reasons that I'm so pushed on this. Someone very close to me developed a seizure disorder. Yeah. And we had to take, the person went on four different pharmaceutical medicines over a period of two years. None of them worked. Two years ago, we took the person to Colorado, got, quote, medical marijuana drops under the tongue. The person has not had a seizure since. Today they can get it in Minnesota in pill form, but the, the rub is what costs $30 in Colorado costs 600 in Minnesota. Yeah. Wow. That's, cr- that's criminal, Jesse. Well, that's, that's because evil, it's man. so restrictive, and they have to be able to make a profit. If more people are getting it, the price goes down. But see, the government will only allow, and the other thing they're doing in Minnesota, no doctors will prescribe it. Sure. That's a problem with a lot of states. Oh, yeah, because, see, they're all under the thumb of the pharmaceutical industry, and the pharma doesn't want marijuana legal, and here's why. Here's why. And here's why the government don't want it legal, the feds. Because you can grow it. That means poor people would have access to it. They could grow it in their backyards like you'd grow tomatoes if it was legal. You wouldn't have to pay pharma. You wouldn't be controlled by pharma. You wouldn't even have to pay the U.S. government a penny. And and uh, trust me on this, Sean, having yeah. been in government, if the government could charge you for the air you breathe, if they could tax you for that, they would. Oh, aren't they trying to? <laughs> they, With carbon no, emissions they, and everything? They don't, 
They don't want you getting anything that they don't get a cut of. And that's the problem with marijuana. If they legalize it, everyone could grow it, poor people could have access to it, and the government wouldn't make big money off it if everyone grew it on their own. Now, there'd still be a huge industry. Look at the tobacco industry. Look at the alcohol industry. You got the marijuana industry waiting to happen with all these jobs because people like you and I are probably not going to grow our own. Correct. You know, it's a lot just like you're not going to make your own beer. You know, it's a lot easier to go down to the liquor store and buy a six pack than it is to sit at home and make your own beer. Sure, and they'll and do a better the same job would of making it. true with marijuana. But the access to poor people would remain the same. If they didn't want to go buy it commercially, they could certainly grow it on their own and use the product. Yeah, of course. And, you know, the DEA, their recent, uh, their recent decision to keep it a Schedule 1 just is mind-blowing to everyone, doctors included. And now GW Pharmaceuticals has come out uh, with a new study with some, some really good uh, uh, results for their drug that they've uh, developed from cannabis. Well, the thing is, they don't need to study marijuana anymore. We already subsidize a university in Israel. Israel, yes. It's called the cannabis, and, and they know everything over there, and it's, and it's sad because they've already come out, the head doctor over there, he said it'll help post-traumatic stress syndrome from our soldiers coming home. It'll help the head traumas in the NFL probably some of them in wrestling, too. Absolutely. They, they would, it would help seizures. It cures cancer. It does Do cure cancer. Do I need cancer. to go on glaucoma? This is a wonderful plant, and for all the religious people out there, think of this for a moment. God made it. If you believe in God, then God made marijuana, and what right do we have to destroy what God made? Amen. If you believe you know, in God. If you're religious, and the That's point right. being... If you believe in religion, you believe God put it here for us to use it, not right. to burn it down, not to eradicate it. It's, it's an unbelievable medical plant that, that pharmaceuticals don't want any part of because it's a natural thing. It's a plant that, grow, that was here before we were. Yeah. Jesse, you know, other things you're hitting on in your book, um, not specifically about the, the plant itself, but... You hit on jury nullification, which I'm huge on, and nobody knows about it. Nobody. Oh, yeah. The thing is, if you, if you get picked for a jury and you feel that marijuana should not be illegal, then don't convict anybody. You have the right, as a juror, not to convict. Absolutely you do. You yeah. absolutely do. Yeah. That's your conscience and your vote on a jury. Now I've and, talk- if you're, and if you're a jury and somebody's going to prison for smoking pot, I know if I sit on that jury, I'm not convicting them. Well, there's been a few. There have been a few cases in the last few in the last few years. One in Florida, I know. One in Jersey, uh, where jury did you know did just say not guilty. When they were well, blatantly it's guilty. ridiculous. Yeah, it's I mean, we, uh, you know, you laugh today. You know the Cullen Kaepernick thing? Yeah. Yes. Okay. I, I like It doesn't bother me. I support Kaepernick as a veteran. He has every right to do that. I agree. If, 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 if he wants change in this country, he's allowed by the First Amendment to petition the government. And if that means protesting the national anthem, he has the right to do that. I commend him for it. Sure, without, for being politically active and yeah. for being a, a an engaged citizen in a nonviolent the, way. In a nonviolent way, Jesse. 
and not exactly. destroying anything. Exactly. And, and so for Kaepernick to do that, there's nothing wrong with that. I'll tell you what bothered me a hell of a lot more, Sean. What's Did that, you read Jesse? that story where the National Football League was being paid by the Department of Defense to I did. honor veterans? I did, Jesse. I did. Oh, I've heard you talk about this before. story in a day. That story should be the story. How dare these billionaire owners get paid to honor me? Paid patriotism. They, they couldn't have slapped me in the face worse. Yep, paid patriotism. Paid mm. patriotism. That's what you have. Now, whenever I watch a football game and they do all that stuff, I start laughing to myself and go, gee, how much money did you make doing that? Wow. And then you hear the national anthem. Yeah. Home of the brave, land of the free. I start laughing over that when we have more people in jail than any other country in the world. In the world, and mo- and how many? How, do you know how many are in in, in jail for nonviolent drug crimes? Jesse? Tons of them, millions. And, and we get into that in the book because it shows they the, everybody wants the private sector to take over the government no jobs. No way, especially so they've created these corporate-run prisons. The, totally. And the problem evil. there is that corporations have to make money for their shareholders. So it's imperative the prisons be full so that they can make profits. This is slavery, Jesse. So they Jesse. need to arrest people and put them in jail, which marijuana people are perfect for that. Yep. It keeps the prisons full, and it keeps the, pri- the corporate prison making profit. And the marijuana arrests are the easiest. I know plenty of cops, and they tell me that. They're, they don't mind arresting uh, people for marijuana because they're usually not much of a, a threat to them physically. And and the privatized prisons to me are are basically just modern day slavery, Jesse. Oh, they are because then they yeah they absolutely are because then other corporations make a deal with the corporation and they get slave sweatshop labor. Yeah, where they got the prisoners producing their products and making what fifty cents an hour, ten cents an hour, and then, and the, then they're turning around selling the products to us for ten bucks. And then I think whatever you, it is in your book, you talk about how they. They have stuff made in these prisons and then slap a Made in the USA label on it. Yeah. And yeah, and they're made in prison by yeah. prisoners. I, I guess you lose your rights when you go to prison, apparently. But apparently you don't get them back once you've paid your, supposedly paid your debt either. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And it's high time that we, you know, this, Sean, the marijuana issue in this last political arena, you had the Trump people and you had the Bernie Sanders people. Yeah. Believe it or not, they both wanted the same thing. A lot of them did. You're right, Jesse. No, they did, but they can't come together because yep. one's the progressive left and the other's the right-wing right. So mm-hmm. they'll never come together, but they wanted the same thing. They wanted an overhaul of our government. Clean house, get rid of them. And, the, you know, that's the problem you got now is that they're failing. So marijuana could be the issue where we, the people, can stand up because over 60% of Americans want full legalization now. We can stand up and tell the government this. You work for us. We don't work for you. You're there to do what we want. We want this product legal. You are not our parents. Legalize it. And they're doing it the right way. It's happening state, state by, by state. state by state. Yep. And when they see the profits coming in, all the states are going to do it pretty well. Then what does the federal government do at that point? They have to, I imagine, how many states do you think have to, uh, have to do this before the federal government gets on board, Jesse? Well, there's already 23 that have legalized it in some manner. Yes. Be it medical or, what, or the full legalization. California's voting on it this year. Massachusetts is voting on it. 
hopefully it's going to pass in all these states, and that's going to put the heat on the feds then. Because the feds don't want it because they make too much money off keeping it illegal. Yeah. How about the how about the situation in Washington D.C.? Are you familiar with that? Well, I know that Washington D.C. allows it. Yeah, but they but Congress blocked them from being able to uh, to to use any uh, public funds to to start. You know, I'm, I'm not using the right term, but to start the actual marketplace in D.C. Yeah, I'm sure they do. They're they're they're, they're finding all these underhanded ways. Yes to stop the legalization of it. And that shows me clearly that our federal government is profiting from keeping it illegal. And they're not going to give in easily. That's why this is the true issue, that the people, by voting, can rise up. Because how can they go against the states when the states have, when the people have voted for it? Right. And how can the... How it's can, on a ballot. And, you know, the thing is, is a lot of the... A lot of the conservatives are the ones that believe in states' rights, but yet most of the conservatives don't want to uh, go with the states' rights when it comes to this type of thing. Well, because they're bought and owned by pharmaceutical industry. Yeah. You've got to remember, the big corporations like pharma are the ones contributing to their campaigns. That's who pays for them to be in office. They're owned by these corporate yeah. entities. The liquor industry does not want marijuana legalized. Imagine that. People would smoke pot instead of get drunk. Yeah, well, I mean, a lot of... And I've said that publicly. If I were given the option of going to a pot party or a drinking party, I'll take the pot party. Yeah, everyone... Number one, the chances of violence will be slim to none. The drinking party, it'll be 50-50. No one's going to throw up on me at a pot party. (laughs) And at a pot party, you can smoke till 3 in the morning and get up at 7 and go have a production productful day at work that's a if fact you drink till three in the morning you ain't going to work the next day <laughs> there's or... no last call at a pot party either hey jesse <laughs> <laughs> jesse by the way did you see the thing that brian gumble did on marijuana at denver stadium when was this oh he did a special on it on hbo it was great he went to the tailgaters at Mile High Stadium because now it is Mile High Stadium. Yes, no doubt. And uh, they, got, they got a distributor right across the lot. So you can go into the stadium and walk across the street and buy marijuana. They went to the tailgaters and they said, how is this working out? The tailgater says it's 100% better. They said, we used to come here at 830 in the morning and start drinking. By the time the game started, there'd be people throwing up, there'd be horrible behavior, there'd be fights, there'd be all sorts of bad things happening. They said, now we come at 11 o'clock, we smoke pot, we eat our food, we go in and truly enjoy the game. And they said, it's a way better atmosphere. Yeah. And then they even asked Peyton Manning, not on camera, but they, and you know, Peyton is part owner of 19 Papa John pizzas places in sure. Colorado. Peyton's answer was perfect. He said, in light of recent changes in the law, he goes, my pizza stores are doing fantastic. Nice. It's <laughs> true. Now, and I mean, what a perfect answer. Didn't even say the word marijuana. He just said, in light of certain recent changes in the law. Jesse, I and hate... So, and, and, you know, so people are seeing that, that we've been lied to. Here's another little thing. Everywhere they've legalized marijuana... They've seen heroin drop. Right. Overdoses from heroin and opiates, yep. Look look at us here in Minnesota. We just lost our prince. That's right. We didn't lose him to marijuana. Had he been smoking pot, he'd still be alive. 
We lost him to pharmaceutical opiates that kill 25,000 people a year. Nobody, I mean nobody, has died from overdosing pot. If you smoke pot and die from it, get ready, because you're going down in history as the first person. Ever. Ever. You can't, you can say that about, I can't think of any other substance that you can really say that about. Caffeine, aspirin. Look at at drinking. All these college kids binge drink and they die. Look at at cigarettes. The most addicting thing and they call marijuana the gateway drug. No, it isn't. Tobacco is. Well, to me, Jesse. Sean, what's the first thing you tried as a kid? Exactly. I bet it was a cigarette. It was for me. Cigarettes and alcohol are, yep. to me, the first Cigarettes drug you take. Cigarettes and alcohol were number one and two. That's right. And then pot maybe was the third. That's right. So that whole gateway drug theory, I think more and more people are realizing that's a bunch of bullshit, Jesse. Well, hopefully they are. That, Sean, that's why I wrote this book, because I want people to read the history and to truly understand what's gone on. Like Judge Gray wrote on the back. He said if people found out how they prohibited marijuana, they would demand it be repealed. And this, oh, yeah. is, a, this is a California circuit judge who, yeah. who quoted that on the back of my book, Judge Gray. And, uh, and it's the truth. Yeah. If people learn the history about this, they'll be outraged that our government has kept it from us. I'll give you one final little example. Do you drink city water? I don't. No. I actually, uh, not well, a chance. everybody does at times, right? Sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, in the right? shower. City water. If you go to any I mean, restaurants, you, go to the you probably tap do. And there's water. You drink, well, okay, when I was a little kid, they started putting fluoride in the water. Yep. Now, it, and they demanded, because in Brainerd, Minnesota, a couple decades ago, they didn't want fluoride, and the federal government came in and made them. After the people voted, sure. they did not want it in their water. Jesse. The feds came in and said, you don't got a choice. Now, here's the quiz question. Who were the first people to put fluoride in water? Uh, actually, the Nazis. Actually, the Nazis. The, you're yeah. correct. <laughs> the Nazis were the first people to put fluoride in water, and here's why. Fluoride is the major ingredient of Prozac. That's right. It is. Just sedates yep. you. So when you drink fluoridated water, you're getting a daily dose of Prozac provided by your government. And a, a lot of people don't know, Jesse, that f- fluoride is a byproduct of aluminum, and it was dumped into our, our waters and that bef- before they figured out a way to actually sell it to us. Exactly. And, and, you know, and like I told you, I was, I was a little kid in the 50s when they came out saying, oh, you need this for your teeth. Huh. Well, stop and think about it a moment. Isn't that your parents' job? Yeah. Teach you how to brush your teeth and gargle with fluoridated mouthwash. Why should they be putting a chemical in our clear drinking water? You know what's a, a, a funny connection? Well, I don't know how fucking funny it is, but Henry Anslinger actually married someone from the Mellon family who were responsible for dumping all the fluoride into the waters. Originally. It doesn't surprise me. <laughs> yep, it's a true story. <laughs> I, I, I'm not shocked over that, Sean. Yeah. I, 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 you know, that stands to reason. Brutal. <laughs> hey, Jesse, there's there's something I wanted to uh, talk to you about that doesn't really have to do with marijuana, but I'm a huge fan yep. of his. And uh, we'll just touch on this real quick because they don't teach, you were talking about in history uh, class, they teach about a lot of generals, but not the greatest of them all, in my opinion, Major Gen- General Smedley Butler. Yep. Well, Major General Butler, that's who I follow on my foreign policy positions, because 
He wrote a book that I think that should be mandatory reading Amen. for every high school senior to graduate. And the book is called War is a Racket. And Major General Butler, he's a Marine, so he gets right to the point. It's a thin book. It isn't thick at all. He gets right to the point explaining to the, to the public that when we go to war, it's not for the reasons they tell us. Wars are done so people profit with money. You have war profiteers. Like, I'll give you the example. In Vietnam, there was a company called Brown, Brown, and Root, and they got the billion-dollar job to dredge Cameron Bay so it could be deeper, so our ships could get in there and unload stuff. Right. Billion dollars they got back in the 60s. Can you imagine how much money that was then? It's amazing, yeah. And, okay, who is Brown, Brown, and Root today? They changed their name. They're called Halliburton. Oh, come on. Yeah. Ooh. They're wow. nothing but war profiteers. Wow. And Dick Cheney, Dick Cheney, Dick Cheney's yep. the former head of Halliburton right before he became vice president. And they gave him a severance package where he got 34 million bucks. Wow. And he only was head of the company for five years. Darth Vader himself. Now, do you think that was payment in advance to go to war? I would imagine. Anyway, getting, getting back to General Butler. General Butler writes that we should pass a constitutional amendment that our troops are not allowed to go over 500 miles from our shore. If we do that, we will be the safest country in the world. And the reason that they can't destroy General Butler's credibility, here's the real sticker. He didn't win one. He won two Congressional Medals of That's Honor. That's right. Two. So how do, you go, how do you tell a two-time Congressional Medal of Honor winner that they don't know what they're talking about in war? Jesse, a, a lot of, like, okay, but people, they also don't realize that uh, uh, Major General Butler was um, approached to actually uh, be the head of a coup. Of, of oh, failed, yeah, a he, coup was, he was approached by the white, right-wing Wall Street That's Republicans right. to become our president. They were going to overthrow FDR because they thought he was too socialistic. Sound familiar? Yes, it does. And, uh, and uh, they picked General Butler. He was going to be the new president because they needed someone the people would trust and a two-time Congressional Medal of Honor winner Who's going to not sit and show him respect? That's right. And the, but the point was, General Butler was a true American patriot. Guess what he did? He went to Congress and ratted them. Yeah, and then he they tried to cover it up. And they tried now, to cover it up, you know Jesse. What they would, you know what they would do with General Butler today? He'd probably be hiding out in Moscow. Yeah, with Edward Snowden and Julian Assange. Well, yeah, with Snowden, because Butler was a whistleblower. He blew the whistle on Wall Street that they were attempting a coup d'etat against FDR. How come we're not taught about that in school? Exactly, Jesse. That was why I asked you about that. And, yep. And, uh, we don't know. We're not taught anything about, just like the murder of Abraham Lincoln. They always stop it at the lone assassin, John Wilkes Booth, when the reality was, I think six people were tried and convicted it was a, they were going to try to kill Lincoln as well as VP Johnson and Secretary of State Seward. They were only successful with Lincoln. And the reason that you want to know about the six people who were tried and convicted and sentenced to death, one of them was a woman. And it was the first woman ever sentenced to death. That's right. Yet they don't teach us about that in school either, do they? No. No. <laughs> no. Well, Jesse, before we let you go, after hearing all this from you, we have to ask if you have another political run in the future. 
Well, I don't know. You know, I the, the the libertarians offered me to come to their convention this year, and I didn't do it because I couldn't go all in. And when you when you go after a job like governor or president, you have to be a hundred percent committed. You owe that to yourself, and you owe that to the people that vote for you. I couldn't reach that hundred percent. And also, I don't. If I do run, I'll, here's the challenge. I want the people of America to go out in every state and get me ballot access without a party. Without because libertarian. If I were to even? run for president, I would want to be the first person since George Washington to get elected who does not belong to any political party. So I don't want to be a libertarian. I don't want to be part of any party that I have to answer to. And so that would be the only way in 2020 that I would run would require a grassroots movement and get me on the ballot in all 50 states. If that would happen, I would do it. A lot of people are are waiting anxiously for that. I know I, I, I Well, heard... it would require them to do it. Yeah. Exactly. I would have to see that I would have ballot and they'd need to start right about now <laughs> because it would take them at least 2 years to accomplish that. And then you'll be uh you'll be going against Kanye West in the 2020 election, <laughs> <Yes>. Jesse. <laughs> I don't know any why is Kanye that what Kanye's Oh gonna yeah, do? he 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 mentioned that like last year or something during one of Video Music Awards or some award show. Anyways, Jesse, this is a great book, Marijuana Manifesto. Um, and, you know, I know you're really busy, Jesse, and I'm really, really grateful for your time today. Well, thank you, and I want to apologize for canceling last week. I know we're a week off, but you That's get right. in these book tours and your head starts spinning around and, oh, and sure. all that stuff. So you're actually, I'm pleased, you're my last interview. Uh, well, <laughs> I'm, I'm very, I'm honored and I'm very grateful, Jesse. And this is an amazing book. And you're an amazing American, and uh, thank you so much, man. I hope to see you soon, Jess. Thanks, John. My... Look forward to seeing you, too, but uh, don't hold my breath. Vince is going to bring me back because he's got to pay me. Right on. And my best to Tyrell. My best to <laughs> you Tyrell. You know, I'm the only guy that got a retirement, you know. Well, I'm, I'm so happy for you, Jesse. No, Obviously no, I took it to it. court, and, and he has to pay me for every video or anywhere I appear. Oh, yeah. So I've been, get, I've been getting quarterly checks sure. from him for the last uh, 25 years. Sure, and I, I, remember your, um, I remember you told me, not to go backwards here, but you actually, not long after you won that court case, you called Vince, and he got like hot at you, right? He's... That's oh, my yeah. fucking money. money. That's my fucking money. Yeah, and I, and, I, and I looked at him and said, Vince, the jury said it was my money. The right. federal judge said it was my money. The Court of Appeals said it was my money. And the Supreme Court said it was my money. Because Vince took the case all the way to the Supreme Court. Yeah. Wow. And, well. and they wouldn't hear it. But anyway, I said to him then, I said, Vince, you're a minority opinion. It's my money. <laughs> That's so right. you got to keep your money, your name, he wasn't and all the to rights to all his videos and stuff. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, Jesse. So, I, Sean, thank you. We'll do it again sometime. I hope so, Please. man. Have a great day. All right. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, Jesse. All right. Oh, that was awesome. And we will be right back on AfterBuzz TV with more X-Pac 12360. Hey, guys. Maria Menounos here. We want to let you know about my new show on Sirius XM Stars Channel 109. It's called Conversations with Maria, and it's live Monday through Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. Go to conversationswithmaria.com for more info.
Buzz you later. Hey, wrestling fans, if you want to see Sean X-Pac Waltman in your area, be sure to make it out to the following upcoming shows. October 28th through the 30th in Dublin, Ireland for AWR. On Saturday, November 5th in LaSalle, Illinois, Sean will be making an appearance at Dreamwave Wrestling. If you have a promotion and want to book Sean Waltman on your wrestling show, send all serious appearance inquiries to showbiz at AOL.com. Back to you in the studio. We are back on X-Pac 12360. We just talked to Jesse Ventura, which I know we were really, we were all excited to do, and he did not disappoint. Man. No, Jesse never does. Actually, with Jesse, um, all you have to do is just point him in the right direction and just (laughs) let him go. (laughs) Just cast the light out there and let let him do the rest. You don't even have to be a good interviewer, actually. (laughs) Jesse's that... That damn good. Well, so. it worked out well for us today. And I just remember I was just excited to interact with him at all because, like I said, growing up in Minnesota when he was the governor, yeah. every single day it was on the news. What is Jesse saying? What's he talking about? What is he doing now? And he was just such a fascinating character. And to see how he's kind of grown that from just being a pro wrestler and being sort of a celebrity politician into trying to actually give people information that they need and trying to make changes in this country is yeah. just, it's so commendable. I think so. And a lot of people like try to, you know, you know, they want to put a tinfoil hat on somebody if they're, you know, um, even talking about things like conspiracy theories or, and, uh, and that, and I, I think that he, uh, he's done, he's done a lot, like you just said, and, and, uh, he's brought a lot of information to the surface and, uh, uh, very cool of Jesse to join us here. I'm I'm pretty stoked that we uh that we got that. <laughs> so, Jesse, Joey, big yeah. day for us here at Xbox One Two Three Sixty. And it was a good one. And we want you guys to always keep up with us on social media so that you never miss an episode. We let you know who our next guest is coming up. This is where you can find all the links that we talk about on our show. So I need you to hit that like button at facebook.com slash xpoc12360show. Please also follow us on Instagram at xpoc12360. And you guys can always hit me up personally on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat at Christy Reports. Let me know what you think about the news. If you hear any rumblings, any rumors any dirt sheet stories hit me up i'll get i'll get the scoop for you and jimbo where can they follow you online oh you can follow me on twitter at jimbo in the booth buy my documentary the young bucks two sweet journey at highspots.com or maybe available on the flow sports oh hey we're just throwing that out there yeah and you can find me on twitter at the real xpoc and in a couple of hours i'm on a plane and on my way to ireland so I'll see y'all when I get back. Yes. Well, adios. And he will be back next Wednesday. Right. Don't you worry. And we will be back then with another new episode of X-Pac 12360. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you then. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Phil Svitek, Kevin Undergaro, show producer Jimbo Frank, managing editor of AfterBuzz Wrestling, Christy Olson, and managing producer of AfterBuzz Wrestling, Mark Vidonica, and the entire X-Pac 12360 staff, we would like to thank you for tuning in. Feel free to like us on Facebook, rate and comment on iTunes and YouTube, follow X-Pac on Twitter at TheRealXPac, and email us at xpac12360show at gmail.com. This has been a presentation of the AfterBuzz TV network. Buzz you later!